0: It's great to have all of you here. We're in this series. By the way, welcome back for part three. Is now part three of our series, I'm Done. And uh, Dr. Bill Hackett is here with us in this service. He and Judy are always here unless they're out of town. And I understand that he did a phenomenal job last Sunday. Would you give him a hand? Let him know how much you appreciate that. So in week one of this series, we talked about, I'm done. There are certain things we ought to be done with, we can be done with. By the way, happy birthday, Troy. Are you 32? Yeah, I wish. You wish. (laughs) And uh, so we started talking about just certain things we can and should be uh, done with. I'm done. We talked about it in week number one. I'm done making excuses. I'm just done with that. It's easy to do, but I'm done with that. And then a couple of weeks ago, we talked about I'm done complaining. And if you were not here for either one uh, of those installments of this series, then you could go online, you can download it, you can follow on podcast if you want to do that. I'm a big, big uh, podcast junkie. A lot of you know that about me. And so you can listen to it that way. You can watch it, listen to it online. I hope you'll do that. But today I want to talk to you, and you already know, Uh, because you see it on the screen, I'm done. I'm done with fear. I'm done living in fear. And this is something we really, really need to talk about. It seems like recently, and I think it's more than me just having sensitivity to this upcoming week and knowing where I was going with the direction of the talk. But it just seems like recently, there's just been a rash of people that have come to me and they're like, hey, uh, would you be praying for me? Or could I talk to you about, can we work, uh, work through this? Because they're just struggling Um, with worry uh, or anxiety or fears, what ifs, uh, those kind of things in their life just seems like, and again, I think it was greater than my sensitivity toward it. It just seems like um, more than usual. People saying, hey, I'm struggling right now with worry. I'm struggling with fears and and some anxiety issues going on. And, you know, some people are more prone to be fearful than others. Some people you're just saying, man, there's nothing that would ever cause them to be fearful or anxious, worried about anything. And it's, it's been some people, it seems like more so people like that, that I'd be like, wow, you know, I would have never thought that. It doesn't mean I think less of them. It just simply means you know, just knowing them, their personality, their temperament, you know, their track record, that they're just not somebody that would be more prone to anxiety or worry. But it's just like all of a sudden, it seems uh, we are struggling. And I know it's not all of a sudden because this has been uh, around for a long, long time. You'll see this uh, practically. You'll see it scripturally in, in just a couple of moments. But uh, I've I've just been struck by that uh, recently. Now. I want to ask you a question before we get deeper into this. How many of you have ever heard, sort of rhetorical, because I know you have, how many of you have ever heard of this expression, you develop an acquired taste? You've heard that? An acquired taste. You didn't have it before, but you acquired, uh, you developed a taste for something over time. Uh, You know, when I grew up as a kid, uh, there were a lot of certain things I wouldn't eat. Well, I'd eat them, but I'd eat them under duress, Uh, but... uh, I didn't want to eat them, and then, you know, as I've, I've gotten older, it's like, well, I've got an acquired taste for, for example, squash, you know, and I, you couldn't have paid me. Well, my dad would pay me, but that's a whole other story, and that's therapy, and that's, you know, I've been, not really, but uh, dad say you clean your plate, and I, that's a whole other issue, but you clean your plate, I'll give you, because he'd know I'd eat the things I want, and then I'd pick around the stuff I didn't like. And so, but I acquired a taste for squash. How many of you can think of something you've acquired a taste for over the years? And, you know, for me, it's been things like green beans or sweet potatoes, the entire menu at Chick-fil-A. Things I've just acquired a taste for over the years. Now, do you know that you, your fears are actually acquired fears, you didn 't have these fears when you were born, in fact, research tells us i don 't know if you've ever studied this before, but research tells us that when we are born we're only born with two fears. The rest of the fears that we have they 're developed they 're acquired we 're born because I know you 're curious about this what two fears are is uh, you know are we born with we 're born with a fear of falling uh, or, and we 're born with a fear of loud noises aside from that, all other fears are acquired fears. We develop them over time. Um, You know, we just, we have these. And so you weren't born, you know, think back to when you were a kid, uh, you weren't born being afraid of monsters at night. You developed that. How many of you? How many of you remember that time when you were a kid? You were just, you know, somebody was in your closet, somebody was under the bed, somebody was behind the shower curtain. There were monsters. In, you acquired that. You weren't born with that. You acquired that. And uh, how many of you remember some of your childhood fears? Wave your hand at me like this. You had. You acquired those. You weren't born with those. You developed those. Maybe it was uh, a fear of bad weather. Um, you know, I didn't have a lot of fears when I was small. I didn't like bad weather. I'd be fearful. I'd, I'd you know, it got real dark and uh, real cloudy, real stormy. That created some angst within me. That was a fear that I had. Uh, Drew, now if you're newer, you've never heard this story. If you've been here a while, you know this story. But Drew, our middle child, he had a ferocious fear of the dark when he was little, a fear of the dark. And uh, I mean, if it got dark, I mean, he always had to have some lights on when he went to sleep at night. He didn't I mean if it was dark, he was gonna be clinging to you. You couldn't get him off of you. So uh he was afraid of the dark. And I know I don't recommend this if you're a parent, but I did it. I've repented since. But uh, I think I have. If not, I need to. But uh he had a fear of the dark. So he was he was real small, and for some reason, I don't know why, maybe he didn't want to be by himself, but instead of being upstairs. In his bathroom, taking a shower, he's just a kid. He he says, hey, uh, for whatever reason, uh, I'm gonna take a shower in my parents' uh, bathroom. And I didn't even know I was in there, but I heard the shower running. And so I walked in there and uh, I could hear him singing in the shower. He seemed particularly happy while he was taking a shower. And I don't know, you know, maybe uh, things were going well in elementary school or what. But I thought, I thought, this is going to be really good i'm gonna i'm gonna just make it dark suddenly while he's in the shower and so i went over to one of the bathroom doors and i pulled it completely shut, real quietly. Walked over to the other side of the bathroom. I pulled that door. There was no window, no external lighting, no natural lighting. I mean, it was so dark when I shut those doors. And uh, I timed it just right. And I've done this before. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And he's singing away, singing away. He's having a joyous time. And so I've got these doors shut. And all of a sudden, I flick the light off. And it is so dark, so dark. And he's singing right on. He just keeps on singing and singing and singing. He's a happy boy, and he's singing, and he's singing. And then it hits me. You know, he's not been healed or cured. He's probably shampooing his hair, and he's got his eyes shut. How many of you saw that coming? He's shampooing his hair. He's got his eyes uh, shut. So I'm like, I wonder how long this is going to last. So I just stood there. I just... When all of a sudden, two things happened. He abruptly stopped singing, and the next thing I hear in repetitive phrases, I'm blind, I'm blind, I'm blind, oh, no, I'm blind. So uh, counselors feel like they're going to be able to help him. He wasn't able to speak for three years, and that caused him problems in school. But he was afraid of the dark. How many of you are afraid of spiders? Who You just got a shiver thinking about it. What about snakes? Ooh, we could just keep going. But we're not born with these fears. We acquire fears. And we grow up and our fears can spread, multiply, and they become more serious. And now they're not the little childhood fears that we had growing up. Now they're more pronounced. Now we have these uh, bigger adult size fears, like the fear of loss, the fear of losing something that is important to you. And some of you are struggling. I know because I know the nature of the human condition that what I'm going to talk about in these next few moments that a lot of you are struggling with. And that's why I want to help you right out of what we learn about God and his word and what he says to us concerning our fears. But uh, the fear of loss, and that's a real, that's a real fear, uh, the fear of losing something that's important to you. Maybe you're saying, I'm just, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my spouse. I'm afraid that something's going to happen to one of my kids. I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my job. I'm afraid, you know, financial loss. And, you know, my nest egg is going to be a little bitty old tidy egg when I get to the end of my career. And so the fear of loss. And a lot of people struggle with that other people, maybe they don't struggle with the fear of loss, but they struggle with the fear of failure, the fear of being inadequate. Like I could never, I could never do this. I could never start a business. I I could never go back to school. I couldn't make the grades. I couldn't cut it. Um, I could never be successful with my life. You know, other people that I went to high school and college with, they're successful. I could never be the fear of being inadequate, the fear of failure or, or the fear of, I could never start a ministry. I've got a passion. I believe I have a God-sized dream, but uh, I could never accomplish that. The fear of loss, the fear of failure. How about this one? The fear of rejection. The fear that you will not be liked. They're not going to like me, and so we do all these kind of crazy things and spend all this crazy amount of money trying to do things to cause people to like us. And that fear of rejection, the fear that we're not going to be liked, or the fear that our spouse will leave us, or the fear that if we're single but we'd like to be married, that we're always going to be single. So these are, you know, adult-sized... As fears, not a little childhood fears that we, we did battle with when we were younger, fear of loss, fear of failure, fear of rejection. And this one is huge. This is massive. The fear of the unknown, the fear of the unknown, the fear of what if? What if this were to happen? Fill in the blank. What if the economy were to tank? What if my kids rebel? What if I develop a serious illness that is gonna take my life, it's gonna shorten my life, that there's not gonna be any, you know, cure, it's gonna be terminal, and the fear of the fear of the unknown, you know, family, career, job, money, health. Now, here's a verse that I have carried around with me since I was a teenager. And it has been hugely, hugely, hugely helpful to me. And I think it's going to help a lot of you. It's one of those verses that uh, you need to, since I was a teenager, um, I'll look at the verse with you, but I don't need to look at the verse because I memorized it when I was real young because I needed to. And I think this is verse, a verse that's going to help a lot of you. And the guys are going to put it up here on the screen and I'll read it through twice. And then I'm going to get you to read it through with me two or three times because I wanted to get in your mind. I wanted to get in your heart. I wanted to get in your spirit. I wanted to get in your memory. So let me read it twice. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now I've read that. I've claimed that, carried it with me since I was a teenager. It's time for you to pick it up and carry it with you from this point forward. So I want you to learn it, all right? You didn't think you were going to have to learn anything. You thought you'd just listen. You're going to learn, all right? So here's what we're going to learn. Read it with me. Everybody, let's read it. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let's read it again, everybody. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Look at it again. I want you to mark it down. Take a picture of it on the screen, whatever you have to do, and adopt this. I have carried this verse with me for years and years and years. And I want to be clear. You see it on the screen right now. Every person here, I want you to just know this. This is important for you to know. I had to learn this. You've got to learn this, that our fears are not from God. Fear is not handed off to us by our loving heavenly Father in heaven. Well, if that's not where it comes from, then where does it come from? It's simple. Our fears oftentimes, the vast majority of times, comes from our adversary, the devil and he wants to create fear. God is not. You saw it with me. God is not. Has God given me this fear? Absolutely not. You just saw the verse. Uh, For God has not given to us the spirit of fear, but a power and love, a sound mind, peace. You lay down at night, you can go to sleep because your mind's not caught up in a quandary of all these what if scenarios playing out in your mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, a love, a sound mind. Now, Uh, the reason I picked this verse up and started carrying it around with me since I was a teenager, uh, when I was 15 years of age, I gave my life to Jesus. I grew up in church, got away from God. I wasn't like in like full steam rebellion, but I knew that I was doing a lot of stuff that I knew better. And I recommitted my life to Christ at the age of 15. And when I did, I was all in. I mean, game on, not halfway in, not halfway out, not straddling the fence, not, you know, whole, uh, you know, part of my life uh, being devoted to other parts. I mean, I was all in. And I wasn't a perfect uh, teenager by any stretch, but you know, uh, looking back, there were just so many things I just said, not because I felt I was better, more spiritual than anybody or loved more than anybody, but I just said, Hey, I am so serious about my relationship with God. I am going to be such a straight arrow, so to speak, and I'm going to be fully committed all in game on kind of Christian. And I I was doing that and God was helping me, giving me strength, power, even through, you know, my latter high school years, some of the things, some of the people, um, you know, that I just walked away from that. I knew I needed to, and I did. And so the enemy didn't have as many areas that he had before in his toolbox to trip me up because it was like, I'm stronger than that. With God's help, I can do better than that. But the one area where he hit me. And I could list a lot of areas that had been a part of my life that no longer I was felt, uh, you know, uh, prone to. But this was an area that I never saw coming because I guess I had my guard up on all these other areas when all of a sudden I just started struggling with fear. It was like this wouldn't work and this wouldn't work. How many of you know that's the way the evil one operates? This doesn't work. And this doesn't work, and this doesn't work. How many of you know he doesn't give up? He's relentless. So if he tries this, that doesn't work, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, he's going to keep hammering away at your life until he finds your weak spot. And obviously, without even knowing it, my weak spot was fear. And man, I struggled. That's why I have such compassion and understanding with people that have fears, because I can remember uh, just feeling like I was emotionally paralyzed by my fears. How many of you have ever had that feeling? You know, don't let me be the only one. Have you ever, where you were just so afraid or anxious, worried about something that just made you feel like you were shutting down emotionally, or you were just like discouraged and, and your days of joy and happiness and peace, you know, were far and few between. And so I was just, that's the area. And I just had to just keep, and I'll come to this in a moment. I just had to go after God with everything that was in within me to try to get this sorted out. So What is fear anyhow? Because all of us have probably struggled with it. A lot of you are probably struggling with it right now. What is fear anyhow? Fear is this. Maybe you've never heard it described this way. It is placing our faith in the what ifs. It is placing our faith in the what ifs. What if this happens? What if this happens in my job? What if this happens in my business? What if this happens in my marriage what if this happens in my family? What if this happens with my health? And on and on and on we go. And it's always, how many of you know, anytime, have you noticed this about yourself? Anytime you're raising the what if scenarios, it's generally what if, and it has in your mind a bad, uh, a bad outcome Why don't we ever have it the reverse? What if something great happens? What if something good? Why doesn't our mind work like that? Maybe yours does, mine doesn't. What if always has a negative frightening bent to it? How many of you can relate to that? And so this is nothing new. This has been going on a long, 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 long time, all hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And I'll show you, I could show you more, but I'll show you just one example going way back in the Old Testament with a guy by the name of Moses. You know about Moses, many of you, if you're a church person, you grew up around church. And so he doesn't really, you know, he's not really doing anything major with his life yet. And he's out in the wilderness, killed an Egyptian. You know that whole story. And so while he's in the wilderness, uh, One day he sees a burning bush. Well, that was not unique. I mean, there have been burning bushes before. But how many of you know uh, that if you see a burning bush that is not being burnt up, that is a supernatural incident. And God uses a bush that is on fire but is not being consumed to get Moses' attention. And God does that through the supernatural incident. And he calls him over. Hey, take off your shoes. You remember that? Take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. And I'm going to give you an assignment. And here's what you're going to do. Moses, you are going to lead my people. I've heard their cries. And we've talked about this recently. I've heard their cries. I've heard, uh, you know, everything. I've seen what they're going through. And I'm going to use you, Moses, to lead my people out of captivity. I want you to see what Moses says. Look at this right up here on the screen. Moses answered, what if, what if? what if this were to happen? What if they do not believe me, the Israelites, or listen to me and say, the Lord has not appeared to you. You're just doing this on your own. You're just making this up. This is not a reality. Think about this for a moment. Moses, and maybe you've never thought about this when you've read this verse, but you'll think about it in the future. I want you to hear it. Moses personally hears the audible, distinct voice of God. I've never done that. I've had these quiet impressions, these leadings, these promptings. I've never in my life heard the audible, distinct voice of God. But Moses on that occasion did. Here's the irony of it. He hears, personally hears God speaking to him loudly and clearly and forcefully, and he's still afraid. And so God speaks to him. I mean, audible. I mean, nobody is, you know, that was as unnatural as as it is today. And what is the first thing that Moses resorts to? It's not like a confidence booster for him. He, he surfaces his fears. Well, I hear what you're saying, God, but what if, what if, what if this happens? What if they won't listen? What if they say? Now, I want to read this. I found this in the book, uh, you know, several years ago. The technical term, listen to this now, the technical term for manufacturing worst case scenarios is called catastrophizing. Uh, let me see if I can say it. Catastrophizing. That's not easy. Look at your neighbor and you say it. I said it when I practiced it really, really well. Catata, uh, catastrophizing. Cat in the hat. Oh, that's a whole different thing. C-A-T-A-S-T-R-O-P-H-I-Z-I-N. Somebody say that for me. Thank you. Would you like to finish the rest of the talk? I'm done here. <laughs> The technical term for manufacturing worst-case scenarios is called The evil one loves to help you spin. I could say that earlier. That really butts me. I've got to work (laughs) on that. The evil one loves to help you spin your worst case scenarios because here's what they do. They consume, distract, and derail you. When fear, we know this to be true, when fear has you in a stranglehold, it's easy to take your eyes off of God's power and provision in your life. And Moses hears God. And yet he's, what if, what if, what if? After God has spoken to him, you would have just thought he had just been filled with immediate courage throughout the Bible. God has to say uh, to Moses, to his successor, Joshua, and to others, be strong and have great courage. Be strong and have great courage. Be strong because they were struggling with fear and anxiety and what if scenarios in their life. I wanna take just a moment and mention a couple of things in regards to what ifs what ifs. First of all, our what ifs, it's important for you to hear this, our what ifs reveal what matters most to us. Think about that. Our what if questions reveals what is, uh, matters most to us. And, and this is not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, there's a good side to this. What if I lose my marriage? What if I lose my job? What if something were to happen to my kids? Uh, You know what that means? It means that these things matter to you. What if I lose my marriage, my job, something happens? This means you value your spouse. That's a good thing, right? This means that you value financial security. This means you value your love, your kids, you love your spouse, you love your family. So our what ifs, here's what they do. And again, it's not a bad thing. There's this good part of this. It reveals what matters most to us. But secondly, and unfortunately, Our what ifs also generally speak to where we trust God the least. You with me on that? Our what ifs often point to areas of our life that we trust God the least. So chances are, I read this some time ago, didn't bring it with me today, but if, if we're always worried about, say, our marriage, then maybe we've not fully surrendered our marriage to God. If we're worried about our health, then maybe we've not really surrendered fully our health, our career, our kids, or whatever area of our life it is. So I just have to ask, on the heels of that, are you trusting God with your marriage? Are you trusting God with your kids? Are you trusting God with financial provision? Are you trusting God with your health? Are you trusting God with the capacity of your mind? Now, everything that we've talked about to this point leads us right here what do I do? Because we can talk about it, but we've got to get over onto this side of what do I do about my fears? What do I do? What do I do with this anxiety? What do I do with this fear? I'm worried about this. What do I do? What do I do? Because I'm playing this what if game in my mind. What do I do about that? And I want to just say something on the front side of this uh, that I think will be hugely helpful. And, and we don't often do this because we like living in denial. We like living in denial. Uh, I know somebody right now, and it's so painful to me, but any time they just go through stress, they go into denial mode, and for them, alcohol is, is the thing that pacifies them. So they will get so absolutely staggering drunk in trying to deny the fear or anxiety rather than facing it. It's, it's sad. It, it grieves me. But we we often try to deny our fears. And that's not necessarily helpful. It will not help us to deny our fears. All of us need to define reality. There's nothing wrong with looking, you know, candidly at something and saying this, this is what I fear. This is what I fear. This is the thing. And I would encourage you to do that even now because we don't really address it if we're like and deny. I'm not really afraid of that. It doesn't, blah, 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 blah. You know how we did, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm not really afraid of this. This is not real. And we deny, deny, deny. But we still, it just keeps cropping up. And so I think it's healthy. I really do. I think it's healthy to just take a a candid look and say, be honest with ourselves, do a reality check, a gut check, and say, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm worried about. This is my what if situation. Studies show, and I'll read this quickly, studies show that avoiding our fears only causes them to escalate. Some of you just hearing that one line alone is a worth you getting up, having a donut and coffee and being in here this morning. Is studies show that avoiding our fears will only cause them to escalate. Experts in the field of fear management agree that the power of fear begins to diminish. It doesn't escalate. It goes the other, other direction. Listen to this. It's going to help a lot of you. Experts in the field of fear management agree that the power of fear begins to diminish when a person takes the time to understand its origins expose its lies, and face it head on. So don't be afraid to say, this is what I'm afraid of. But then, where do you go from there? Here's where you go. And I'll give you a couple of things that you may want to remember. You may want to put them on your notepad or phone. Trust God. It sounds so simple, but we don't often do it. Trust God with those fears. Acknowledge them. Do a gut check. This is what I'm afraid of. And trust God with your fears. David... In this particular time, this is another Old Testament event, he's fleeing from Saul. He is just fleeing from Saul because Saul wants to kill him. And we think this is not like a big deal. This is like the leader of an entire nation who has put a bounty on David's head. So he is being hunted down. And so it's created a lot naturally angst in his life. A lot of fear. If you know that there is a manhunt for you and it's not just to capture you, it's to kill you. And King Saul is given this order in regards to David's life. And so he's struggling with all of this. I want you to see what he says right here in a couple of verses. He says, this is out of Psalm 56. He said, my slanders pursue me all day long. They're hunting me down. Many are attacking me in their pride. And then he talks about his fear. He said, when I'm afraid, he's having a conversation with God, by the way. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. And God, whose word I praise and God, I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to take my what ifs. I'm going to take my fears. I'm going to take my worries. I'm going to take my anxieties. And I am going to trust God. I'm going to turn them over to God. Secondly, in this regard. So we acknowledge it. If we disregard our fears, if we just, you know, deny them. Uh, Experts say that they'll escalate if we look at them, their origins, uh, expose the lies. Remember, face it head on, it diminishes our fears. So we trust God with our fears. And then secondly, we seek God with all of our might. And I know that just sounds like what a pastor ought to say, what you ought to hear in church. Seek God with all of your mind. And by that, I'm not implying that God is hiding from us when we're afraid. God is not doing that, but we can find God in those moments. Go back to when I was 15 years of age, you know what it did? It drove me to my knees, it drove me to the scriptures because I was in such an emotionally paralyzed state. I knew that I could not just keep living that way. It was misery on wheels. And I'm like, I've got to find something. And I sought God in prayer. I talked to God. I sought God in the scriptures. It's where this verse came from. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but power. And I clung to that. And I just said, you know what I'm experiencing in my life right now? God is not giving to me. This, this is not from God. This is from the evil one. He's trying to harass and intimidate me. And so seek God, seek God in the scriptures, seek him in the services here where you can hear a talk like this that encourages you that first of all, you're not crazy for being afraid. You're not crazy for being worried or filled with anxiety. However, you got to do something about it or it's going to be ruinous to your future where you say, you know what? This is what I'm afraid of, but I'm going to trust God with it and I'm going to seek God. I'm going to talk about it. I'm connected with a small group. I'm going to talk about people in my small group. I'm going to enlist them to be for me. So we trust God with our fears and then we seek God with all of our mind. Now, this is still David. This is back a few Psalms, but this is still David. I want you to look at this Psalm 34. He said, I sought the Lord. I went after God like my hair was on fire. I sought the Lord and he answered me. Guess what? I sought the Lord. He answered me. And when he answered me, he delivered me from all my fears. Amen. He delivered me. Now I've got to tell you, and there's people in my family that could confirm this. People in my family that could confirm how fearful I was. Maybe that's why I'm so passionate about this message, how fearful that I was. And just now be at a point in my life where, you know, that is not controlling in my life. That probably my worst fears right now is my football team is going to have to play your football team at some point this season. <laughs> that's not a very big fear, is it? And it's just, it feels good to be at that place. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Friends, you just have to stop your mind from running crazy with the what ifs. Have you ever done that? Wave your hand at me. I'm the only one that's ever struggled with it. You got to stop driving yourself crazy with all the what ifs. What if this happens? What if it doesn't? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Rick Warren, he's he's a phenomenal Bible teacher. A lot of you know Rick Warren, Saddleback Church. I love what he's done with the word fear as an acrostic. And I asked the guys to put it here as a false evidence appearing real. Isn't that good? You like that? You may want to take a picture of that. False evidence appearing real. That's why fear is. Fear is false evidence appearing real. Say it with me, everybody. False evidence appearing real. The fear, the worry that you're struggling with, as we wrap this up, is not from God. It's from the devil. And he wants to use it. I know this from personal experience. I know this from personal experience. He wants to use it to bring unrest and torment to your life. See, here's the big difference, and you got to see this before we're done. Satan hates you. I don't know if you know that or not, but he does. He hates you. I hate to tell you that, but he does. Which is, by the way, and it's a whole other talk, why do we get so mad at God when bad things are going in our life when God didn't have anything to do it? And the one who's creating havoc in our life is Satan, but he doesn't, we blame God. That's a whole other story. But Satan hates you and desires to make you a slave to fear. Here's the difference. Jesus loves you and wants to set you free. Jesus loves you and wants to set you free. Are you afraid? God's not giving that to you. God's not giving you a spirit of fear. You know what God gives you? Power, love, sound mind, peaceful mind. You lay down at night and you can go to sleep. You can eat normal. Or you can do like me, eat more than normal while I was in Illinois. For God is not giving you a spirit of fear. That's not from God. Jesus loves you, wants to set you free. So what is it that has you living in fear? What are the major what ifs that you're do, doing battle with? Just admit them. Look at them for what they are. Don't deny them. They'll escalate. Look at them. Discover their origin. Expose the lies. Face it head on. That begins to diminish it doing that reality check and then seek God the way David did. I said that David sought God like his hair was on fire. That's a good thing maybe for you to do. Just go after God. And you did like a, you drop to your knees and you pray and you hand it over to God. And you know what I found myself? I'd love to tell you, I'd love to tell you standing up here, I handed it over to God and then I was done with it. I handed it over to God 2,742 times, or at least that's what it felt like. But I handed it over to God, handed it over. And like eventually, and then I'd sought God in the scriptures. I went after what I could find from God that would help me to be free from my fears. Trust God. Hand your fears over to God. I had this image in my mind while working on this talk. I was just with my grandkids. Have I mentioned that? Have I, Dr. Hackett, did I say I, was, well, I did say that? All right. So uh, Brody, Brody is 18 months old. He's exceptionally smarty, he tested like 11th grade level. It, well, that's not true, but that's, that's what I think, you know, because he's my grandkid. Now, if while I was there, I saw Brody walking around, with a pair of scissors. Now, I'm, I've already notified Brandon Nicole, I am not a no pawpaw, I'm a yes pawpaw. I'm a yes pawpaw. But that would cause me instantaneously to become a no pawpaw. You know what I'd do? I'd rush over to him and I'd say, give me that, give me those scissors. You're not supposed to be carrying that around. You know where I'm going with that, right? God rushes over to you and says, give me that. Why are you carrying that around? You're only going to hurt yourself with that. I want to take that from you. Give me that. Take your fear and give it to God. Amen. Does this help you this morning? Would you stand? Let's pray. God, right now, I'm praying for people that are just like me. Just like me. Know the reality of fear and worry and anxiety. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. If this is you, if the enemy's been beating you up with fear and worry and anxiety, I want you to lift your hand up so I know who I'm praying for. Just put it straight up, straight up, straight up in the air. As high as you can get. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Lord, help them. Help them. You help me. You don't love me anymore. You don't care about me anymore. You love them just the same. You care about them just the same. For them, your word is just as true. You've not given to them a spirit of fear. Let them understand the origin of that. That's from the devil. He's trying to harass them and intimidate them and defeat them and discourage them. Keep them from the joyful life, the peaceful life that you have planned for their life. I thank you that you've not given them a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And I pray, God, that every person that raised their hand this morning would hear you say, give me that, give me that. I never intended you to walk around with that. I never intended you to carry that around. Take your fears, take your worries, take your what ifs, and give them over to me. Thank you, God, for the power of your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. We wrap this series up next week. Don't miss it. I love you, everybody. Have a great week.